Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast. Today's topic, sexual harassment, part one of two. Hi, everyone. This is Mike, and welcome back to Manager Tools. You know, very few things strike fear in the heart of a manager more than the thought of a potential sexual harassment claim. The sanctions are severe, there's a taint of an accusation that may never go away, and then there's all that gossip. To say nothing of the loss of control of the process and the danger of false accusations. All this on top of the fact that sexual harassment is not only beneath contempt, but it's also inscrutably hard to understand, and even the finest employee can unknowingly step into this morass. To some degree, we're not surprised by most managers' lack of understanding of the rules. For most managers, we don't have time to understand the actual law, and even if we read it, we wouldn't understand the implications. Further, for good reason, most managers don't think of themselves as capable of such things, for all kinds of reasons. But sexual harassment is an example of Horseman's unknown briefcase rule. Ah, the briefcase rule. You haven't heard this one yet. If you were told to carry around a briefcase of unknown origin and were also told that there might be a nuclear weapon in it, it would certainly change your relationship to it enough to ask, okay, even if the chances of it going off are slim, if it did go off, it would be very bad. So tell me what I'd need to do to keep it safe, just in case. Well, sexual harassment is one of those cases where the nuclear briefcase rule applies. This cast will keep you safe, just in case. Here we go. Well, this is a pretty serious cast if you have to use the nuclear briefcase rule to introduce it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the the nuclear briefcase is is a bit like the the Christmas rule, only in this case there really could be quite significant consequences. Oh, yeah, and there are significant consequences with sexual harassment, that's for sure. I don't think many managers think about it much, though. Yeah, I I think that's kind of a a two-edged sword. Uh, I agree with you. and and I want to believe that, I, I, you know, don't you agree that that's kind of good in a way? Sure. Um, it's it's kind of like the briefcase. I mean, you wouldn't want to go around thinking about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. You need to know how to deal with it, but you don't want to spend any more time on it than you absolutely have to to be safe. Look, somebody's got to run things. Um, yeah, that whole running things is... Uh, I wish there were more people, you know, when I think about HR and ER and legal and, and uh, senior leadership uh, and, heck, for that matter, the press. They they don't seem to want to understand that managers actually have a job to do. Yeah. And they're not there to be interviewed or there to go to special trainings or there to go to focus groups or what have you. Yeah. Um, um, I, and, and my feeling, uh, in the U.S. anyway, there are plenty of managers who feel like, there are plenty of legal issues to worry about, plenty of rules, plenty of processes. And some of us say, you know, gee, I'd actually just like to spend some time managing the business. That would be good in terms of profitability and long t- longevity and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is good as any time, though, to make some caveats about this cast. Yeah, um, that, that's true. We we're, we're, we're tend to be pretty a little bit more proscribed this time uh, because – uh, th- there are certainly areas we don't know a great deal about, even though they affect us, much like the nuclear briefcase. Um, so this is definitely not a show about the law or legal issues 
or the formal processes in different countries about how people pursue actions around sexual harassment. It's definitely not about the law. Yeah, but we will talk about it, but but not significantly. Um, yeah, that, that's probably um, that's probably you, you said it better than I did, um, and you said it in less words. Big surprise there. <laughs> um, look, every country's laws are different. Um, cultures are different. Norms are different. We have listeners in the Middle East where workplace attitudes about gender are completely different, uh, for instance. So we, it, it doesn't make much sense to talk about the law in this cast, but um, yeah. the fact is the law affects us. Yeah. I think that touches on the fact that for some listeners, this, this cast, because it does have some roots in law, may not apply very much at all. Oh, I, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I agree. Another caveat is that we're not talking about what a manager should do if one of her directs makes a harassment claim against her. Yeah, we're not doing that cast about, okay, what, what do I do if I'm accused? Um, because I think once we get done, everyone will agree that uh, you can infer much of that based on this cast. But if you flip it around, if we did that cast, what do I do if I'm accused? We'd spend a lot of time talking about defending yourself, um, and you couldn't, from that cast, from the defending yourself from a, from a charge cast, you, you couldn't infer the managerial actions involved when the accusation is on your team, but not involving you. So we think this cast sort of covers both, um, whereas the other cast wouldn't, wouldn't cover what we've got here today. So. Yeah. Okay. So, so what do we recommend? Uh, we've got another long list um, because it's a series of steps. Uh, actually, y- you could make it into a big clump because uh, several of the steps happen fairly quickly, but we wanted to separate it out and talk about each one and the why of each one. I just got an email recently from somebody talking about how important it is to understand the background. He said, sometimes if I just read your steps, I could probably figure out what to do and how to do it, but the why really helps. So, um so we break them out in a little bit more detail, probably, than, than we need to. Um, now, this is a serious we, subject, so we want to make sure we yeah, exactly. cover it completely. Yeah. Right. Um, we, yeah, and, and again, it's a bit like the nuclear, nuclear briefcase. If, you, if you're going to have to interact with it, you want to know the process well enough that you don't have to go back and try to relearn it all of a sudden. Um, you want it to be a, a little bit like the Pledge of Allegiance where, okay, I've got it, uh, and, I, and I, can, I, can, I can run that playbook now. We want this to be the playbook for sexual harassment issues, managerially speaking, in, in managers' teams. Um, so we have four introductory guidelines, um, and then we have nine steps uh, a manager should take once they're made aware of a sexual situation that may involve sexual harassment. Um, the four introductory guidelines is we are going to talk about the legal stuff for just a minute, the legal basics. Um, step two or, or guideline number two is you've got to find out about your firm's policies and procedures. Um, three is don't spend a lot of time though on the law and legalities. Um, yeah, you and have to explain four, that in a little bit more detail. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then brief your team annually, and we have an agenda for the briefing. Those are all things that you can do now that, that, are, that are preventative, which you'll discover in a minute is very valuable. Um, now, the nine steps that you should go through that we recommend uh, in the event that you're made aware of a situation. One, if someone comes to you 
and there's some doubt about whether or not it is a sexual harassment situation. In other words, one covered by a, a, a law in the country where you're operating, you should ask if the employee thinks so. That's step one. Okay. Unless it's very clear. If it's very clear, you don't have to do that step. Um, step two, if it's not, then you need to decide what to do. Um, if it is, and the rest of the steps uh, apply to this, um, then step three is suggest the accuser talk to the accused. That's going to be one of our touchy subjects. There are going to be people say, no, 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 you can't do that, but we absolutely know that you can. Number four, tell the accuser to call HR or uh, whatever government entity they need to. In the, in the United States, it's the EEOC. Uh, if they choose to make a formal charge. Uh, step five, explain the deadly seriousness of the issue. Step six, call human resources yourself for a briefing on process and status and impact. Uh, you can also call the government for that as well. Um, number seven, notify the accused. Another step that might, people might disagree with. Notify the accused, give them feedback, and ask them to apologize. Um, step eight, ask the accuser to update you on steps that are happening. And number nine, limit communication to those involved and human resources. Wow. It's a yeah, lot. It's, so, a lot. it's a lot, yeah. Yeah, so sounds like we better get started then. Yeah, yeah. So the first introductory guideline is the legal basics. Right. As we've said, it's different in every country, most especially as it relates to process and involvement with your managerial duties. There are, there are United States managers who think that the law is onerous or difficult or, gee, there's this requirement for this or that or the other thing, and I'm always doing that. And we, we respect that. And, that. and by far, the U.S. has the most laissez-faire managerial legalities, I would guess, of most um, countries that are uh, significantly imbued with large corporations. Um, or for that matter, because the law applies to small corporations, same thing there as well. Um, uh, there are plenty of places in Europe where um, there is a law, a very specific law, about the number of meetings you have to have for various personnel actions. So um, so if you're a U.S. manager and you think the law is onerous, um, go somewhere else and discover that you've got it pretty good. Um, but the simple basics of sexual harassment are this. And, and, and by the way, we got this directly from an employ, employment lawyer, lawyer that we know well. Um, unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors. That's a, that's, a, that's a phrase that you don't hear very much anymore. Requests for sexual favors. Um, and other verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature are sur- sexual harassment um, when it affects somebody's employment or work performance or causes them to feel like they're in an intimidating, hostile, or offensive work environment. Now, some things to keep in mind on that are uh, it doesn't matter about gender. The victim or the harasser can be a man or a woman. One of Michael Crichton's very popular books that was made into a very popular movie called Disclosure is about a female boss harassing a male subordinate. Um, the victim does not have to be of the opposite sex. The harasser can be the victim supervisor. Uh, it could be an agent. It could be a, 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 a co-worker. 
could be an, a different supervisor somewhere else, could be a non-employee. Uh, it doesn't matter. And and the victim does not have to be the person who is harassed, but could be anyone affected by the offensive conduct. That's pretty broad. Uh, it's a pretty broad situation. Um, now, I think where a lot of people trip is hostile workplace. Um, usually, in order for someone to prove that they work in a hostile workplace, there needs to be proof of repeated conduct over a period of time. Examples of things that could contribute to that are things like jokes, repeated jokes, suggestive remarks, physical interference with movement. That's, that's actually, I, I believe, a specific case. Um, blocking somebody's path, for instance. Pictures, cartoons, derogatory comments of a sexual nature. Um, just one joke or an offhand stray comment usually isn't enough. Um, but there are some things that are so severe with just one incident that it could be a problem. Um, this, you know, generally in the U.S., one crude sexual joke is not enough to prove sexual harassment. On the other hand, it does prove that you're an idiot, um, you're not a gentleman or a lady, and you don't know what you're doing, and you're playing with fire, and you might very well get burnt. Yeah. Um, so, um, it, interestingly enough, though, after having said all that, and that, that could make you think, gee, I, you know, in a gender-mixed workplace with a bunch of friends, we have close relationships, we make jokes about each other, somebody might overhear that and think that's bad. Well, okay, true enough. If you read it very, very carefully, if you went and read all the legal documents in, in any country that you live in, you would discover that you would begin to feel like every single thing you could possibly do would be proscribed. It would be against the law. In the same way that medical students, when they're in medical school, feel like they get every ailment known to man um, as they're going through, as they learn about all the things. Oh, yeah, I have this, and I have this, and I have this. I must have this deadly disease. I'm going to die in 48 hours. Uh, the more you study the law, uh, if you're not a lawyer, the more you get the sense of, gosh, everything is illegal, when in fact it's not. Um, in the U.S., the guidelines, I think rightly say, it is helpful for the victim to directly inform the harasser that the conduct is unwelcome and must stop. Okay? Now, interestingly, that's something that most people don't talk about, because, and we'll talk more about this because um, HR or ER or legal or so on see this problem differently. They see it as a liability related, related to the organization. And, and that is something, that, that statement, helpful for the victim to directly inform the harasser that the conduct is unwelcome and must stop, is to me a nod of the fact that this is a workplace, that uh, uh, there are times where one thing happens and it's not a pattern of behavior, it's not intentional, it's not designed to be harassment, it just is un an uncomfortable moment and we want to treat each other with grace. Um, and, and the guidelines, this is not, the, I don't believe this is part of the law, but it's part of the guidelines, uh, as I understand it, I'm definitely not a lawyer, uh, I think the guidelines are good in that regard. And I think that the law exists for a reason, because there are stupid people who do vulgar things and um, there need to be, they need to be held accountable for them. Yeah. Um, I think the law actually says to use the manager tools, peer feedback model. I think that's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, they also say that the, the guidelines also say that prevention is the best tool and that companies should, uh, should communicate to employees that it won't be tolerated. Um, 
I, I believe in much of the U.S. It may be federal law, but I, I know it's state law in many cases that that uh, um, training is actually mandatory. It's not just recommended. It doesn't just help. It's actually mandatory. And that's about as far as we can go without going much deeper. Right. The bottom line is that if the victim feels harassed, behavior may be illegal. And the best way out of a problem like this is to never get there. Yes. One way to do that is point two, knowing your firm's policies and procedures. Tell me about that. Right. We're almost tempted to say here, if you don't know what your firm's policies are, stop right now, pause the cast, and go find them. Now, I've actually had this happen. Don't believe anyone who says that they, that they have one, that the company has one, but it's not written down. <laughs> That's my, I just, I, you just want to look and say, gee, did, am I the only smart person in the room right now? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, call human resources, call the office manager, find out what your firm has so that you will know what your firm expects of you in these situations. That's so important, folks, so that you will know what your firm expects of you in these situations. Okay? If you don't know the basics at your firm, when this problem surfaces, you're in trouble. And I, I hate to put, uh, make too big a deal out of it, but, but what I'm about to say may be the second most important thing you will hear in this cast. In the situation that you really don't know what's going on and you suddenly have a sexual harassment situation coming up in the workplace, okay, the people whom you would likely turn to for advice, HR or ER or legal, have completely different agendas than you and could not care less what happens to you and your team. Their incentives and goals are all about protecting the victim and the firm. And if your firm doesn't have a policy, it's easy enough to go to the web and find a couple of good models right, to, to work right. from. I mean, we're, you know, we're not a policy place. We believe in great management, not policies. But we'd also like to ask members to go to the forums and share their firm's policies to allow other members to, who, who don't have such a thing to be in a position where they don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. And there are ones out on the web that you can copy and paste and you can come up with something that probably take, you know, 15 minutes. Um, but I'd love to see some of the ones that, that people have. If they don't mind sharing, that'd be great. And, of course, we may comment on them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next, don't spend a lot of time on the law and legalities. Look, you can't spend enough time on the law to be effective with it. You can't. It's a waste of time to try to become an office lawyer. I can just see some manager downloading Title Seven of the U.S. Employment Code, printing it out, going into a meeting with ER and the lawyers, and saying and pointing to a highlighted section. So, well, see, it says right here that da 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 da. So that should make it okay. And the lawyer looks at him and has this funny look on his face, like, "What? What? <laughs> that? That's like me telling you how to run your team. Let's not do that. That's equivalent to marketing people writing code." Um, okay. Um, here's the most here. I just, we just mentioned the second most important comment. Here is the most important comment we're going to make in this cast. The law is not your problem. Behavior is the problem. Gosh, I love saying that. (laughs) 
behavior is the problem here, and that is well within the purview of a manager tools manager. Sexual harassment doesn't happen because of the law. It happens because of vulgar, stupid, idiotic, insensitive, ungentlemanly, unladylike behavior. Right. It'd be, it'd be poor God. behavior even if there wasn't a law preventing it. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. You said it better than me. And, and it, we've been doing this cast for a long time now, and what we talk about is behavior, that feedback is about encouraging effective behavior, that communication is a behavior, that we reward, we incent and disincent behavior, okay? Um, the, the, the issue is what somebody did, not the law that governance, governs it. Uh, the majority of such concerns never involve the law, and even those still go back to behavior, if you start worrying about the law, you're going to end up only thinking about a very narrow slice of the possible situations that are going to come up around this general topic. Think about behavior, not about the law, because once something like this happens, everybody in the room will know more about the law than you, but you'll be the expert on behaviors. And while sexual harassment, the, the, the possibility of something is a bit like holding a nuclear briefcase that starts ticking. Uh, you still have a team to run. You still have results to to uh, achieve. And in fact, in the movie Disclosure and in the book Disclosure, the whole point of the book was uh, we're going to create this sexual harassment issue so he'll take his eye off the ball and we can fire him for not doing his job. Um, so you still have a team to run. If you have one person accusing somebody else on a team of 20, you've got 18 other people not involved whose who's best you need every day to make up for the fact that those two people who are involved are going to be very inefficient and ineffective uh, in the coming days and weeks. Yeah. And like every other behavior in the workplace, you know, we have as managers a responsibility to, to, to inform our our folks as to what's expected. And, and that's where we get into the, our next recommendation, which is brief your team annually. Yes. Um, step four of our introductory guidelines is brief your team annually. And we'll talk about this agenda. Um, yeah, you're right. We're not a policy shop, but we do agree that prevention is the key. And that means some training. Uh, if your firm already does it, great. Consider sending everyone on your team to a session annually. And you may not have any choice. HR may say you've got to do it or blah, blah, blah. Um, if you do work for a large firm and there are plenty of sessions, we're recommending having a list of, of standard annual trainings that you expect your folks to attend, include those in their development plans, and expect them to schedule it individually and then report to you when it's done. And it can be just as simply it's on their annual goals and, if, and when they finish it in the first quarter, lucky you, lucky them. Don't send all of your team at the same time, uh, or don't wait till HR reminds you. Yeah, I mean, HR reminds you right in the middle of this huge rollout or sales push or quality improvement drive. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what if they have to do it themselves, or, or they want to do it to save time and trouble? Yeah, look, um, as long as you can get an okay, and, and, and smaller or mid-sized companies, I strongly recommend this. In fact, this is a part specifically written for smaller companies to, about who, to whom the law still applies, uh, particularly in the U.S., um, but who don't have HR to turn to or may not have a big training shop. Um, and it's basically a 10-minute agenda item. You just add it on to or include it in a weekly staff meeting, uh, and it has four bullet points. Point one is 
Sexual harassment is blank. And it includes the simple definition uh, that applies in your country. Okay? What we laid out earlier at the top of this uh, in our introductory point about the legalities, what we laid out earlier works fine okay, for this in the United States. Uh, we've run that by a, a, uh, an employment lawyer, and he said, yeah, that's great. Okay? Point two is, after you get done describing what sexual harassment is, you say, we don't tolerate it here, period. If you are found to have sexually harassed someone, you'll be disciplined, perhaps to the point of losing your job or even being imprisoned. Point three is, our firm's procedures are, and then you simply state your firm's procedures. And then point four is to answer questions. We encourage you to answer only those questions you're certain you know. Um, you know, there, I'm sure there's going to be somebody in the room that'll ask, does the law describe a situation like my cousin's brother's um, best friend went through about five years ago? And they give you a long answer. So I don't know. Um, but uh, answer only those you know completely. Uh, and for all the others, just jot them down on a whiteboard or a flip chart and promise answers back to everybody as soon as you can get them from the right source. If you're at a small company, we recommend you send an email or call the EEOC. And I'll, you know, not, not hard to do that. And spend five or ten minutes getting some answers for your folks. Um, and do it in a very matter-of-fact way so you don't make you, – you, you know, the, the, it, it just occurs to me that, that – um, I, I don't have this in the show notes, Mike, but we've got to say this – this, to me, is a great example of why you don't want to have training like this in order to shotgun your team when you hear that it might be happening. In other words, oh, I think there's a problem on X, so I'll do a, a shotgun blast and do some quick training so everybody can hear it. You know, that, the danger of that is that <clears throat> people are going to be wondering, gee, why are we doing this now? If you make it annual, if you make it routine, if you don't make it a big deal, you're just very matter-of-fact about it. Um, then people aren't going to get the impression you're trying to hide something, you're trying to cover up, or you're trying to, for that matter, cover your tail. Yeah, and this all shouldn't be a response to an issue. This, like we said earlier, sexual harassment or anything that could be perceived as sexual harassment is bad, poor behavior, and that holds true all the time, not just all the time. Yeah. Yes, that's why we have the points in here about feedback and about managers talking to the accused and the accuser rather than just assuming, oh, well, we've lost control and now it's a legal issue because that's just not true. All right, let's stop there. That's as good a breaking point as any. We'll finish up the rest of the show next week. In the meantime, please join us on the discussion forums at www.managertools.com forward slash forums. And uh, feel free to leave us any comments or questions there. As always, we appreciate your continued support, and we'll see you again next week. So long.